for tuning into the 18th episode of The Virtual Couch. I'm your host, Tony Overbay. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist, certified mindful habit coach, writer, speaker, husband, father of four, ultra marathon runner, and creator of The Path Back, an online pornography addiction recovery program that is helping people reclaim their lives from pornography addiction. So if you or somebody that you know is struggling with pornography addiction, please point them to pathbackrecovery.com. There you can download a short ebook that describes five common mistakes that people make when trying to overcome pornography addiction. And again, that's pathbackrecovery.com. I have to tell you, I was uh, somebody approached me yesterday and they said, do you realize that you start to kind of just run right through all of that licensed marriage, family therapist, certified mindful, have a coach, writer, speaker, that that sort of thing. And uh, and I kind of had to chuckle because, uh, yeah, that's um, it's kind of my whole, um, it's kind of my point. Uh, you know, I there's this part of me that knows that one of the hardest things to, for me is to, to try and market myself. Um, but boy, any, you know, any uh, interview I've done with, um, you know, larger podcast hosts or those kind of things, Talk about that, you know, hey, if you want to get this uh, this thing out there and help people and and kind of meet those goals that you have, that that's part that you're going to have to get through. And so that's a little bit of a kind of a laughing to myself every time I do it. Um, just this whole mouthful of stuff that I kind of have to say. I feel like I'm going, hey, check me out, you know, um, but really I am. Uh, boy, here's a. Uh, what two men sin? Grateful. First time I'm going to use that word, but probably not the the last. But uh, just grateful for the the response to the podcast. I love I love doing the podcast. I love the people that I get to interview, and um, and I know that I have to kind of uh, put myself out there a little bit. Sometimes that is awkward. Um, and speaking of that. Part of what I love about other podcasts is when people are just kind of being real. And uh, and so that was always my goal. So I've been listening to podcasts for a long time. I don't know, 2008, 9, 10, whenever they kind of started. And so uh, always wanted to do something, but uh, felt like I really needed more of a platform or a voice or a passion. And so that's why this has been so much fun. Um, but I've had a lot of, you know, when, when people come up and talk to me, friends or family or just um people from church, you know, just acquaintances that uh, listen to the podcast. I just get a lot of fun questions about booking guests and uh, the interviews and if they could be a fly on the wall and that sort of thing. So I did want to tell um, a little bit of a story of um, the booking of guests has been something that I really didn't um, anticipate as being as fun and difficult as it could be um, trying to fit people's schedules. You know, I, I see a lot of clients, which I'm grateful for. And uh, so I realize that a lot of people, um, their schedule doesn't fit my schedule, people that I would love to have on the podcast. So I'm trying my best to fit some of those in. Tonight, I have an interview um, that I will release very soon with somebody who I am just, you know, ecstatic to interview. But I don't even want to say it just in case it falls through because I had my first big fall through last week. So it was a couple of days before Thanksgiving, and I was trying to basically see a week's worth of clients in three days. And I had I had one hour open to do this podcast interview, and it had already been put off twice. And I won't say who, but this was the first, um, well, it was the second time I had been approached by a publicist who said, hey, I've got this author and would love to get um, this person on your show. So I thought, man, that's pretty cool. And they advanced me this book that uh, the author wrote, and it's an amazing book, and uh, did all my homework and listened to a couple other podcasts and interviews with this author, got all excited. And about 10 o'clock between clients on this particular Monday, I reach out to this publicist and say, just confirming that we're on for uh, 7 o'clock tonight. And then they said, oh, just about to let you know, you know, the author can't make it. And man, you know, I, I was I was kind of frustrated because I'm like, okay, my my week is 
program down to the minute. So, um, but so I was able to actually get somebody else to to come in and and we recorded one. Actually, uh, that was the wonderful Shauna Roberts, who I was going to have on um, a little bit later, but who came in and that's when we recorded the one on boundaries that we released right before Thanksgiving. Uh, but so that's been a little bit frustrating, but. Um, but I've just uh, I've got so many people that I want to interview now and just so many people that have expressed interest in coming on that now it is a matter of trying to fit people in. And I've got uh, people that um, other therapists that are uh, kind of experts in their field. I, boy, a cool one that's coming up here, too, that's kind of um, talking about some some parts of uh, therapy and mental health, that, uh, mental health that I don't deal a lot with that I can't wait to tell you more about. And a couple more athletes, one that's coming up that is a huge, huge um, athlete in her sport and uh, and she struggles with depression and just has done some really amazing work to kind of help people um, help people deal with depression so I can't wait to have her on but uh, just it's been a struggle though to to kind of try to fit everybody in there and then do the the homework that uh, that it takes to make sure I don't sound like a complete idiot while I'm doing the interview and then um, editing things as well so uh, but boy I can't uh, I can't thank you enough for the feedback, and a lot of that is what kind of keeps me going. But with that said, um, so today's episode might be a bit of a repeat for some of you who might follow um, my Facebook therapist page um, or who have maybe heard me mention in the last couple of episodes of the interview I did a few weeks ago with a wonderful woman named Robin Coppa and her husband Carlton, who was behind the camera, for a Facebook page called Parenting Magic. And please take a minute to find that page and like it and watch the videos. Robin does regular interviews on parenting and, um, and you know, the many joys along with challenges of parenting. And I love that she is a, an aggressively enthusiastic parent, which I like to think that I am as well. Um, and, and she provides a ton of solid tools that can help anybody from a new parent to the most seasoned. But in that interview, we set out to talk about how to cultivate empathy with kids um, Robin had been to a class I taught the week before about being at the crossroads of kids' lives. And uh, just I had a blast with that one and just really tried to, to talk about, you know, being at these the, the crossroads of your kids' lives is going to require that they're going to listen to you or, or they're going to be willing to talk to you when they are at that crossroads. That takes a little bit of, of footwork to do groundwork. And that is part of trying to cultivate this empathy with our kids, but also being able to express empathy and talk to our kids. And so Robin and I sat down to talk about that, and um, boy, and then, you know, once we were, once the the camera was rolling, uh, I felt like Robin just teed me up these perfect questions, and I jumped up on my soapbox, and it was just hitting on everything that I just love about, again, talking to teens, working together as parents, couples communication, which I'm just, again, another one of those um, things I'm just passionate about, and just everything. And before I knew it, an hour was passed, and um, at the end of the interview, you can actually see me kind of panic as Carlton's letting us know that we'd gone past the hour, and I had a client waiting in the wings. So uh, you can watch me kind of panic on, on the hour. I don't know if you can hear that well on the video or not, or in the audio. But the video has been viewed a whole bunch of times, and again, I've heard good feedback on it. So I wanted to post the audio portion of the interview as a podcast. So that is what is coming up next. So I'll go ahead and warn you, the audio might not be perfect, but I thought it was definitely worth sharing. So know in advance, there might be a few quieter spots, but I did run it through a fancy audio program called Auphonic, which was shown to me by former podcast guest Eric Schrantz. And Eric's podcast still is holding on as the number one most downloaded podcast on the virtual couch. Um, He's, again, host of the popular Ultra Runner podcast, and he talked about being a stay-at-home dad and tells um, one of the greatest stories I've ever heard. Again, if you have not listened to that episode, that one alone is fantastic just for the story of... of a young child and a leg cast and a bunch of peaches for lunch. I'll just kind of leave it at that. Um, 
But Robin is a great interviewer and just let us down some really good productive paths with regard to parenting. And part of why I wanted to get this one up too is that I turned around and had Robin on the podcast as a guest um, about a week later. So I thought, and her husband chimes in a lot too, and man, she delivered. She brought some treats on there. And that one, when I when I post that one, um, Carlton did a video of that as well. So I want to get a video up of that podcast when that one goes out. Um, so I wanted to kind of throw this one out there so you could hear a context of the interview that Robin and I had. And then I plan on releasing the podcast here in the next week or two where I actually had Robin and her husband Carlton on my podcast. And it was it was really, really good. She, boy, she has some amazing ideas about um, just unique ways to to just bring out the most in your kids. And, uh, and her, her kids in particular all have kind of scratched a bit of an entrepreneurial itch that have just made me think um, so much more about uh, just how to encourage my own kids. So I can't wait for you to see that podcast too. Uh, good old regular sponsors here, Eli's Extracts. Use the coupon code VIRTUALCOUCH, all one word. If you head over to Eli's Extracts, E-L-I-S-E-X-T-R-A-C-T-S.com. Um, Eli's is the all-natural shaving cream, organic, uh, wonderful shaving cream. Um, boy, I had some fun facts coming up with Eli's too um, that uh, I'll, I'll share with you on the next uh, podcast. And, uh, and also Covenant Eyes is a new sponsor. So if you go to CovenantEyes.com, Covenant Eyes is a monitoring software program that I use in my practice. I'm the accountability buddy for several of my clients. And so you install Covenant Eyes on your phone, on your browser, your computer, and, uh, and it'll send a report um, of what people are browsing. It'll, it'll block um, pornography and some other things like that. But if you go sign up for Covenant Eyes, just um, it'll ask you for a coupon code. And if you can, just use the Use the coupon code VIRTUALCOUCH, all one word, and uh, that that helps support the podcast as well. And I've even started an Instagram account, um, and it is uh, The Virtual Couch. So you can jump on there and follow and like and all those good things, and I'll try to post more about um, the podcast and upcoming guests and, and audio snippets and that sort of thing. And then uh, and I also share about the podcast on uh, my Twitter account at Tony Overbay, all one word, Tony Overbay. And boy, I, you know that's where I start to feel like an old man telling people to get off my lawn when it comes to Twitter and that sort of thing. Um, but I'm trying to, to understand and embrace that. Understand that sounded so, so lame. Um, but to embrace that as a way to market the podcast as well. Uh, so without further ado, and thanks as per usual to Aurora Florence for the music at the end of the episode, the song It's Wonderful. And if you like that song, please look up her album on iTunes. The entire thing is absolutely wonderful. So uh, thanks again. Here comes the interview that Robin Copa and I had. It's on Parenting Magic um, Facebook page. I hope you like it. And a couple of really good episodes coming up, uh, one for sure that will be released on Wednesday or Thursday of this week. And uh, thanks again for the support. Now on to the interview. Today, I get to talk with Tony Overbay, and I have heard so many things about you. I have lots of friends that have gone on and on and on about you, and people have said that you are a life changer for them in their life. You're you're making me all red. (laughs) Aren't you shiny? But um, so, and I also did a little research myself. So oh. I met you for the first time the other day when you gave um, your little parenting talk. And yeah, so, like it was a little parenting talk, right? No, yeah, it was, so. no, it was amazing. No, <laughs> I, I took off, I took <laughs> off work. So oh, that was that's, great. That's yeah. yeah. So, anyways, but so you specialize with men, with teens. Um, you also do marriage counseling. Yeah, I do like couples. You know, I 
So I felt this uh, passion. I spent 10 years in computer software, which was not me. And, uh, and I always wanted to be a therapist. And then after I, I had a company that got sued two or three times and it was just ridiculous. And I thought, okay, I got to go do what I love. So mm. I went back to school, got my master's in counseling, but I really felt called to work with men. And I remember going into classes and I would, I would say that in the field is primarily female. And there were only a couple of us in my master's program that were men. And I would, I would get on my soapbox and say, I can't wait to work with men. And I remember a couple of my instructors just kind of like, you know, a little smile on their face, right? <laughs> and and they no, no one told me that men don't come to counseling. So, I mean, that kind of threw that off a little bit. Um, but then that led to, you know, I started working a lot with, uh, in the field of addiction. And there's, you know, kind of work with more men there, teens, uh, teenage boys. But then that led to uh, couples therapy. So I get to do a lot of couples therapy. And, uh, and that there I get to work with men and women. But uh, but those are kind of my main areas of focus. Yeah. You've been married for 23 years? No, it's even more than that. Yeah, oh, okay. okay. So whatever what? website, it's 27 or 28. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, whatever the math is in 1990. And your wife is so cute. I, I saw her for the first time. She's so cute. Super cute. And when she comes to anything that I do, classes or whatever, I cannot even tell you. I mean, it ups my nerves. I mean, just exponentially. And when so when she showed up, I mean, I was I was nervous. Yeah. She takes you home and says, "Hey, this is what you could have done better, right?" She doesn't. I want her sure. to do that, right? She always says, "Oh, it was great." And I think, well, that's all you're going to tell me that, right? You yeah. Know, I, I, it's like I want her to tell me. And I don't know if that uh, joke hit. There were a couple jokes that didn't hit. I don't know if you remember, but and I would always look at her and just expect her to be, you know, to be the nose. No. Like, <laughs> but that's like, too late. Exactly. Yeah. And then you have four kids. Yes. Yeah, and right now they are all teenagers, which I think is kind of interesting. Oh, so, uh, so there's lots of people coming to you for advice right oh, now? Yeah, a little bit. Although, you know, the funniest part to me, um, and my kids will never watch this, so I mean, it's bad to say. I mean, they, I would love for them to watch it. Yeah. I mean, trust me. But here's my whole point is uh, in the last couple of weeks, I spoke at their school, and I spoke to this group called the Wellness Club. And it was amazing, these these uh, teenagers at Lincoln High School that were talking about mental health and, and you know, how to, uh, how to deal with all the stresses. And, and they announced it over the loudspeaker at school. I saw both my kids on campus, and they were like, "Yeah, hey, what's up, Dad?" And they didn't come to the thing that I spoke at. Oh. That was fun. And a few oh. days later, I was asked to speak uh, to the the, the Lincoln football team to get them all rallied up before this big playoff game. And I kind of thought, oh, "My kids will kind of poke their head in there." Yeah, yeah. And uh, I don't think they knew about that one either. So yeah, but you know, oh. um, and my point well, being, like, why are you telling this song yeah, story? Everybody else is going to think you're cool, though. And right. then your kids be like, "Wow, my dad is awesome." Yeah, but I think my, I guess my point there is like, yeah, you hear a therapist, you, you can't really do therapy with your kids or your family. And I think it's because to me or to them, I'm just dad, and I'm just throwing out advice, even if they, yeah. you know, and if I start going into, no, this is evidence based, and I'm passionate about it, they yeah. they tune me out. You yeah, know? yeah. They're like, what's the Netflix password? I mean, that's kind of real. <laughs> that's all that really matters, you know? Oh, that's awesome. Okay, well, and also, I love because um, my husband and I are big runners, and yeah, you are well, a marathoner and an ultra marathoner. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's that's kind of my, my healthy addiction, my socially acceptable healthy addiction. So, yeah. uh, I started with just good old 5Ks and 10Ks. I remember my first half marathon. And then uh, my first marathon experience actually was a miserable fail. So I got uh, about halfway through. I hadn't really trained. Um, it was before the days of the internet. So I thought it would be smart to not eat for a few days leading up. So I feel light, you know? Oh, So uh, I got the 13, 13 miles of this first marathon and my legs just went, uh, I, love I, I apologize for telling the story, but my legs went completely stiff and my wife was there. We had no kids yet. So we were a golden retriever. She's like, I'll see you at the finish. And I was like, oh, I'm done. And there was a Taco Bell there. This is 100% true. And so I 10 man my legs over to this Taco Bell, got my race number on. I go in there, I get some breakfast burrito and I just, I, I pound it down and I walk right out and I throw it up and I just say, 
I'm done. You know, so I mean, that's where, that's my first marathon. And then you're like, I'm going to do this again. Not then. Right after no, right. <laughs> but then after I crossed the line, then I did that same marathon the next year, and I was hooked. And I think I did maybe 50 marathons, and I got into uh, ultra marathoning, and now I've done over 100 races of, uh, you know, um, 50 miles or, or more. And I've done uh, over 13 miles, or runs of 100 miles or more. And that's where you just, the mental aspect of that alone is just, it is the best part, you know, and I, I used to blast through wall after wall, you know, when you, when you talk about marathoning, you hit the wall and I love an ultra marathoning world, just that mental challenge of, you know, here's a wall, here's another wall, here's another wall. And I do feel like that kind of carries over into you know, real life. You know, yeah. Yeah. Things in life, yeah. My mom, I was telling her that you're an ultra marathoner. She's like, what does that even mean? Like what's beyond a marathon? Isn't a marathon like, you know, the biggest thing. My mom's not running. Right. And yeah, I can sound like, like such a narcissist, too, because I mean, when and I do this all the time, when, when, uh, matter of fact, this weekend high, the coach is like, and he's a marathoner. And he, you know, and in my mind, I want to be like, oh, marathoner. Oh, coach, wait a right? minute. Right? And then I know yeah. people don't know that. I mean, that's like right. ridiculous. Yeah. You know? yeah. Oh, marathoning is nothing for me. I'm into the, you know, ultra marathoning. That's right. Marathoning is cute. Yeah, that's, yeah. <laughs> that is horrible to say, right? I will get hate mail for that. No, yeah. I love that. I mean, and I mean, honestly, the, what I loved about that is, um, and I get a chance to speak to little kids a lot at schools and, and I have hung on to, you know, a whole bunch of the finisher medals that you get. Yeah. And, and I love to bring them up and just, I'll have a kid hold his arms out and we'll put them all on and they start to get heavy and everybody's laughing. But I love to talk about every one of those represents a, a goal and a plan oh. and, and daily accountability and workouts and eating right. And, and so it's like, you know, so I, mean, I really do feel like the, yes, running is great. And those of us who run, we can talk about it incessantly. Yeah. But, but I think the part where it is, it is having something to look forward to, to train for, goals, that sort of thing. So I always have to have a race that is coming up. I mean, that's what that's yeah. keeps me keeps motivated. Well, for me, we were just talking, I, uh, for me, it's my therapy. Mm-hmm. I mean, I have a running partner and a few partners, and they'll just be like, oh, I'm getting all our issues out. Yeah, you know? And then yeah. I'm like, okay, there's my so. therapy. And then I've done my run and good yeah. to go. Yeah. Okay. Well, and also, you recommended this book um, to some of my friends mm-hmm. who I started reading, and this has been an amazing book. So, um, Transforming the Difficult Child. And this morning, we kind of had a difficult child, so I needed to go yeah, back to this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and you're right underneath the Transforming the Difficult Child. It's the Nurtured Heart Approach. And um, I worked for, uh, I worked at a nonprofit a while back, and we got certified on this Nurtured Heart Approach. And at that time, I had, my kids were all pretty young. And, and the basic concepts of this, I don't know if you would want to go into this right now. Um, yeah. Okay, but so the basic concepts, and this is the part where I know people too now because uh, it is the um, just praise and ignore the negatives mm-hmm. and then everything will work out happily ever after, mm-hmm. right? And, and even I watch sometimes when I have uh, parents on this couch and I'm over in the chair and when you're kind of introducing this concept, you watch them just shut down like, okay, this guy doesn't get it. My kids are really bad, right? <laughs> and uh, But I mean, it, it almost is it almost made me feel bad when I really started implementing this with my family, because when it, there's, you don't use the word good job. I mean, good job is such hollow praise. And I don't know how much time I can tell a story about that. Yes, yes. So when I'm at my first training, no, whatever this, time you have, it's oh, up to you. Like okay. whenever you need to cut me off, right, cut right, me right, off. Right, so I can go forever. So yeah. um, I'm at my first training and I'm sitting there at a table and I've got notes and I think I'm doodling and uh, somebody comes up and she puts her hand on my shoulder and she says, man, look at you. You, you got your notes, you got your, uh, your paper, your pen. I can tell you're ready to learn something. I'm like, yeah, that's right. I like this lady, you know? Yeah. And then five minutes later, she's up there and she's, she's the instructor. And then she says, Hey, how many of you did I say something like you look like you're ready to go? Whatever. And I'm like, man, I was a pawn, right? Like, <laughs> me. And then, and how many of you, she said, did I just like tap you on the shoulder and say, no, you know, whatever. thanks for being here. 
And some people kind of said, so I think you might have, you know. Oh, and right away I was in because I was like, yeah, I was totally thinking, I'm so in on this woman. I want, you know, I'm, I'm going to pay attention. And this is be great. So the nurtured heart approach is more about, I mean, you have to look for those moments of good. And this is an old reference for uh, younger people, but they call them the Polaroid moments. I think Polaroid made a comeback, right? Yeah, they are. Okay, they're so cool again. They're cool again, they're right? They're cool again. So, but I mean, the Polaroid moment where I think is what we, what a lot of parents identify with, I know I did, is if you see your kids and they're playing nicely, the last thing I want to do is say a word because then they're going to want, oh, I got to go this, or can you get me food? I might distract just, them or they might need me. Yeah, but so the Nurtured Heart Approach says, okay, we're, you know, that's, that's, the, that's the short term. We're going for the long term. So mm-hmm. when you say, man, I love watching you guys play together because that just shows me how close you are or that makes me feel like, you know, or that we can do all these fun things together as a family because you get along so well. And so it's not just a good job or ignoring it. And so where I was saying that sometimes I felt bad about it, when I introduced this concept into my family, I walked right in and I think two of my daughters were doing homework and they were they were doing it beside each other. And I think they maybe even commented to each other. And I just said, man, when I see you guys doing your homework together, that, that is just one of the greatest feelings as a dad. And I'm just so grateful for the way that you guys interact. And I felt like any time I walked through the room, if they're just sitting there, you know, whatever, all of a sudden, like, where's our homework? Yeah, here comes dad, right? Look, dad, we'll do it again, oh, you know? Because, I, know. I mean, right, but it's because they, cool. they want that, that positive praise. And also, um, here's a confession. So we also hear in parenting a lot, uh, you'll hear this concept that they want, they want attention, positive or negative. And I remember even thinking, who wants negative attention, right? So then one night I come in, I come home, and everyone is doing homework, and my wife's cooking dinner. And I think even the dogs are not even paying attention to me. And I'm just, you know, I'm like, Dad's here. I'm all excited, right? Yeah. I get nothing. Where's my hug? Yeah, so, yeah hey, exactly. Dad's right? here. I thought you heard no, me. No, yeah, nobody heard. Yeah. The dogs kind of looks up. And so then I just, not, you know, now all of a sudden I'm, I find myself. It's probably not great to admit, but I, you know, I think I'm like, I start, you know, I slap my wife or you know, not slap her around. They don't need to report me. I, I'm, 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 I'm not wanting to say I slapped her behind a couple of times, yeah. but, but I maybe did, right? Yeah. So I'm like, hey, I'm here. And I grab something out of the pan and, and that she's, she's like, what? You know, and I thought, oh, wow, I was willing to, I wanted anything. I wanted that oh. negative attention. You know, and I felt yeah. like that to me was the, okay, it's not like a kid saying, hey, punish me. But it's, you know, it's like, can I get somebody to give me a little something here? Yeah. Right? Yeah. So if that's the case, then we want to, we want to nurture this the positive interactions. So then the, I think the hardest part, I think a lot of parents typically have to go, no, we do that, you know, and it's like, okay, but we probably a little more awareness. We can, we can right. probably amp that up a little bit. And then ignoring the negative. And then they realize, I'm not really doing it totally. Yeah, I think so. they go back. Yeah, exactly. And then I think that then, and then, and I don't mean this to sound dramatic, but then, so then we can do a lot of that buildup. And then when we do then just start picking our kids apart for the things that we think that they aren't doing right, we don't realize how how much we undo of the good. So our kid just starts to feel this, um, you know, yeah, they're giving me this praise. So I know any minute now, here comes all the negative. So it really does, you know, as hard as it can be, this is almost a process and you are starting to um, just not pay as much attention or ignore the negative. Uh, if, if you don't mind it. So there's another part of that that becomes key then. And so right now, parents typically are trying to play the role of punisher. They're trying to play the role of cheerleader, coach, uh, manager, all those kind of things. Mm-hmm. And and I, that can be confusing for a kid. And I know that I, I'm not yeah. saying we want to be, you know, you're not supposed to be your kid's best friend. And I, I do think that. Parents go way overboard with that a lot right. of times. There needs to be boundary structure, all that sort of thing. But parent as punisher is something that I, I'm not a big fan of. And what the Nurture Heart Approach talks about is when the waters are calm, you do kind of get together. And, and that's why I love a family night. If you have the smell of brownies going on, then you kind of your kids are in a trance. And then you set up like yeah. house rules and you have you have kids come up with the punishments. And you 
Um, I was going to say you manipulate the heck out of them. That doesn't sound right. right? <laughs> you manipulate the conversation to be very productive. There you go. Nice yes, perfect. But so, I mean, it's like, I mean, I, I just had the client tell me that they had a really good experience with um, phones. You know, phones were a big deal with right. kids and, and teenagers in particular. And so uh, these were rules around when when do we take the phone? You know, because a lot of parents, that's all the leverage they have. And I will find that a lot of parents take it, and then it's just this, you might get it if you're being good. No, no, oh, right? More yes. And the kids just feel like this is so ambiguous. There's nothing to work for. They feel a loss of hope, and then you've got yeah. this power battle. So with this nurtured heart approach, you, you know, this, this particular couple, they let the kids say, okay, what do you guys think will be, you know, when is a time where you feel like, you probably not going overboard and maybe need to take a phone. And the kids then, they all want to be, you know, running the show here. So they're like, oh, if we talk disrespectful, we don't do our homework. And the parents can go, oh, that sounds kind of interesting. Oh, and thanks for like, that idea. Right? Oh, okay. Yeah. So now, and so then, and then it's like, and what do you, what do you guys feel about fair punishments? You know, and a lot of times the kids are like, you know, for a year, you know, and you're like, no, 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 maybe for a day, you know, yeah, first yeah. or whatever. And, and so then, and then you write out these house rules. And so then at that point, now you're back in nurture heart approach, you know? And so when kid breaks rule, then you're like, man, I'm so sorry that, that, you know, you yeah, you did that. But I, I gotta tell you, I love the, you know, the, the, the rules that you guys have because you know that now in a day you're going to get this back. Right. And so then, and then, so the kid wants to react like, but you're usually one telling me I'm really bad. Right. Now you're praising me for, um, following a rule. Right. Yeah. And then when they come back into the game and they get their phone back or whatever, then you're like, Hey, that was impressive. You know, I bet that was hard for that day that you didn't have your phone. And I just love that, you know, and so there's all these areas, wow. right? And I'll, you're not the wow. punisher. You're, and you're not just being the best friend, you know, saying, hey, are these ripped jeans cool? And let's go, oh, whatever. Yeah, which but kids don't want. Right, right, exactly, yeah. right? So, um, so that's why I love this book is pointing out that positive. They call it, um, there's a couple of concepts I love in there, too. Uh, one of the trainings I went to long ago said it's video game parenting. And meaning that kids are so used to playing video games, and then when a character dies, you know, they're just right back in the game. And so, you know, and so if there's positive, if, if life is good and things are positive, they want back in that game. So if they, if they do something wrong, it's like, okay, they want to be back in and get the, mm. the positive one as quickly as they can. The other thing that I pull from that too is uh, I loved at one point they said that our kids know where all their buttons are and basically we run around and say, here they are, you know? Yeah. And so it kind of talks about so when true. you're not, when you, you know, one of the things about disengaging from the, the negative behaviors is, is I always, I just think about is hiding my buttons. So I mean, I'm going to put my buttons behind my back and they're doing some behavior I'm not a fan of. You know, right. And, uh, and so we're not going to, you know, we're not. So what does that really look like? Oh, that's actually one of <clears throat> yeah. my questions. Okay. So you're in a stressful situation and how do you, it's like, you go step outside and take a deeper. I mean, what do you do? Cause I feel like when the kids get home and then we have soccer in an hour and it's like, yeah, where are your clothes? Go, you know, and you're just like, ah, and See, then, I, I, and then, yeah. you know, I yeah. feel like, how do you do that in those stressful moments? What are your coping me- mechanisms yep. and how do you teach good ones to kids? Okay. Oh, you're going to give me, I, do I have a soapbox in here? Right? <laughs> it, I love this though. So, so first of all, um, and I'm going to get there, but keep me on task. Okay. Right? If, I, if I could be also when you're talking about something half an hour from now. I'll okay. 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 Um, so <laughs> first of all, I go back to that. Uh, and I, I'm not a big all or nothing, black or white kind of statement person, but I, I, I work, I work with hundreds and hundreds of teenagers and I will say every one of them has that story of, you know, if I say have your parents had that speech with you where, um, they say, Hey buddy, you can come to me with anything, like anything when you're down or whatever, you can come to me with anything. Every teenager says, absolutely. I've heard that speech. And I say, what happens if you go to them and say, you know, I, I got, I failed class or I wrecked the car or, 
it's like, oh, they go nuts, right? Yeah. So it's like, okay, so the next time you do the thing that you're even kind of unsure about that you want to take with them, what do you do with that? And it's like, well, I'm not, I'm not going to tell them, right? Right, right? And now we've created this, and boy, I was a master. I mean, I hope my mom never listens to this, but um, I was the master at like then disseminating information that would not implicate me in anything negative, right? Yeah. So it's like, man, mom, that's a great talk. We're so close. We talk about relationships and everything. And then it's like, but I'm not giving her the full story, yeah. you know? Yeah. So, so we want our kids to know that they can come to us and we are, you know, we do want to be there. Now we can still have our own thoughts and opinions and reactions, but I think the first line of defense is it's empathy. I mean, it is pure empathy. Mm. It is, it is, you know, if somebody, if I want my kid to come to me and say, if they fail the class, uh, I don't want to be like, are you kidding me? You know, you're always on your phone, you never do your homework, which is a lot of parents. No wonder reaction. you're failing. Absolutely. <laughs> I want to be okay. Hey, tell me, tell me what, what happened. What do you think happened? And, and where do you feel like uh, you That's through? Like a, just really quickly. Oh, yeah. What do you think happened? Not because I feel like I don't know where to go. Yes, yeah. I want to be empathetic, but like, how do I start doing that when they come? So I like yeah. that. But what do you think happened? What do you think? Of, it gives me a minute to be like. Absolutely. And I think. Okay. So, that is yeah. kind of crazy. You just told me something. Crazy. Oh, what do you think happened? It gives you a minute to yeah. kind of like let your brain work. No, that's good. And I and, and I really feel like you really need to go into the role of you're basically almost like interviewer at that point. And your goal. Mm-hmm. I want to learn everything I can about my kid in, in this cool. situation. Right. Because yeah. first of all, you're going to come away from that with some awareness and that awareness already, you know, because then they might say. I really thought I had this or part of the grade is participation. I thought I was participating, but apparently, you know, she didn't think that or, or it's like, yeah, I, you know, I've had I've real life stuff where I've had people, um, several times when people, this is the part where they say, I, I really struggle with reading comprehension or, you know, I'm so distracted. And then we're, you know, we're going and looking at ADD diagnosis or we're going and looking at, you know, uh, learning disabilities or, but, but kids don't want to be that vulnerable and share that with their parents because they feel like their parent isn't going to understand right. because of their parents already yelled at them about whatever else it is, yeah. you know? So, and, I don't know. I just, just really quickly, yeah. I read a book uh, or a part of it. It's raising the seven habits for raising healthy boys. Mm-hmm. Boys will be boys. Um, Meeker, Dr. Meeker. Okay. You know, she talks about how we say, come to us with anything, you know, but it's really hard to have just this love always for our kids. She says, if you paint the picture of a God that mm. will always be that way, that will also be another help. So they say, oh, maybe my parent won't totally understand, but I do believe, because sometimes we're kind of like, there's this, we teach this fear of God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But if we teach our kids about a God that loves them, yes. and that we can go to them with anything, maybe my parents won't fully understand. We're trying to, you mm. know, but there is a God. And I kind of like that. They talked about, you know, right now, I think they're looking at suicide rates are going up yeah. and different things, but I think there's also that. So we have another helper. You know, Absolutely. we need to do our best too, but there's, so I kind of like, no, I've been, that. I've been like rethinking of the way I'm teaching about God to my kids right now after reading that book. Yeah. Okay. So a tangent, you might have to get yeah. me back. I love, that. I love that because, so I did, I was able to, I taught uh, for our church early morning seminary for eight years. And, and so a couple of rounds for the old Testament and in the old Testament, it is, it is fire and brimstone and lightning and thunder and all this kind of version of God. Yeah. Right. And there was a, there was a, some uh, information that we were able to read in that that talked about that, you know, right. I was kind of dealing with what he had at that time, the way that people were motivated, right? People weren't necessarily at that time. It was, it was wars and, and everybody for themselves and all that kind of stuff. And so, you know, to kind of say, Hey, everybody love, love each other. I mean, that's weakness. And as a matter of fact, weakness at war, somebody's going to get demolished. Right? right. So, I mean, a little bit of a, of what, what, you know, I had read that I thought that hit home for me was, um, there's a little bit of that, you know, uh, kind of got to work with the tools that, uh, that he had there. But then the best thing I read kind of talked about this concept and you can apply this to parenting of where, you know, a lot of the, I think the fear of God is the, it's not fear as we know it, but it's more of the, 
hey, I'm not doing the thing that's right, and I'm hearing this, you know, there's kind of probably what I what would be better for me to do, mm-hmm. but I feel like that's, um, you know, somebody's being angry with me. I don't know if that makes sense. So when you say to your kids, if you're say, okay, so when you say to your kids, um, hey, you know, it'd be really nice if you uh, kind of devoted a little more time to your homework and, and, you know, maybe put your phone away for a while, and your kids would go, okay, why are you getting so mad? You know, why are you yeah, so angry yeah. with me? Like, no, I, I'm not, I'm like, and you know, this is where you yeah, look yeah. over your, your spouse, like, did I say anything? Like, was my tone bad? And they're like, okay, you're yelling at me again, you know? And I'm like, yeah, I'm yeah, not, yeah, yeah. I'm totally not. So I think it's more of like when we hear the things we don't want to hear, we view that as anger. That, oh, that's because inside we know that it's hurtful inside because you're like, yeah, I should do that better. Yeah. So, I mean, in the Old Testament, I mean, yeah, you know, yeah, God is continually sense. going over and saying, hey, how about you guys kind of stepping up, you know, stuff, uh, praying false idols, doing some of that stuff. And they're like, okay, uh, come, come on. Like, but this is like the God of whatever. And this guy's cool, you know? And, yeah. and I think that's where they start to feel like, okay. Um, I started getting so mad, you know, yeah. and, and it's like, but really it's, they're not really follow along, paying attention, right. that sort of thing. So I feel like that's well, a that's kind of painful thing. when you're like, even if you read a really great book and you're like, oh my goodness, I could be doing this a lot better. <laughs> yeah. It feels painful inside there. Yeah. It's like, wow, I've been doing this wrong for the last five years. Or, yeah. You know. Yeah. I just had an experience with my wife where, um, I mean, I, you know, I love to think that I am the most sympathetic, you know, whatever, and all yeah. this kind of stuff. And I, I totally didn't consult her about uh, some plans that we had over this weekend. And I I didn't. I had no excuse. It was like, yeah, I I, I made a lot of assumptions and, and I was wrong. And, and all she, I think all she said was just like, you know, what were you thinking when you didn't consult me? And, and I felt like she was just uh, like, what were you thinking? You know, like, it's like, sell it's, down. Exactly. Like, why didn't you say that? And I was like, no, that was my bad. You know, yeah. so, I think they're, so I think that's a little bit of the angle. So, um, yeah. We'll get off on that tangent. Well, well, just going back, how do we teach our kids? We're talking a little bit about empathy. Yeah. Oh, gosh, yes. So okay. how do you teach? So, oh, because I think I was stepping well, back. Also, like, yeah. how do we have empathy? And you said to say, oh, tell me more about that. Yeah, you know, so empathy, yes. Empathy, I think, uh, awareness. I think, I think empathy, awareness leads to empathy. I think that we often want to go into our own version of reality, and then we're putting off what I always call these fixing and judgment statements. So if somebody is going to say, here's my experience, here's why I failed the class, we immediately want to go into Okay, but that's that's ridiculous. I've given you plenty of opportunities. You know, I've I've asked you if you wanted a tutor. I had somebody the other day. This was beautiful. Where this exact example, um, the kid was saying, uh, you know, he starts breaking down with this part about the tutor, and then he kind of says, I know that you and dad are struggling financially. So the last thing I want to do is is cost you by getting you know you paying for a tutor. Mm-hmm. And and it was like the mom had no idea that's that was what the issue was we were dealing with. And what was really cool was, I mean, that was the part where then she says, okay, there's, you know, there's options at school that don't cost, but we didn't really know that, right? Uh-huh. So here we aren't even having this conversation, and and because I think the kid felt like, well, I can't go to them, or the, and there was something underneath it, and the mom's making her own judgments and assumptions, and so and they're not even, not even, they're, yeah, they're both true. Like, they're not true. Either. Yeah. So so um, I feel like the first step is um, it is it's more of that awareness, and then I will tell you, and that can, and this is one of those things where I think. People will even leave my office and they think, okay, I'm on it. Like, that makes sense. And they go home and the first thing they say, hey, tell me more about why you got that F. The first thing the kid says, then the parent's like, oh, I didn't realize my brain like wants to just lash out. So right. it becomes an exercise in just don't say that, don't say that, be present, listen, you know, that sort yeah. of thing. And, that, and I think that can be hard. Yeah. But so how do we build empathy? First of all, I think we have to model it. And, and I think far too many parents you have a hard time with, I'm sorry, or I was wrong, or I didn't understand that, yeah. you know, that sort of thing. And so I think they need to say, and, and to be honest, and I know this can be hard too, because my wife and I, I feel like we get along so well and have a 
a pretty fun sense of humor. And so at times it might sound as if we're not being as empathetic as we should yeah. about, you know, whether it's people on TV or whatever. And so I think that sometimes, you know, we need to make sure that we're pointing out right things that there are, there are times who, you know, where we're really just joking around and there are right. times where, you know, That's a good point. Yeah. I had a cool, you, you talked about that in your um, talk the other day about, having empathy and saying sorry. And you said a lot of people come and their parents have never said, yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. And I was thinking about that the other day. I said, I'm sorry to Apollo, my oldest son. Uh-huh. And he's not like a wordy person or like, I'd even ask him, can you write me a love letter? That would be what I want for my birthday. And it's like, you're the best. Little, oh, yeah. yeah. It's like yeah. so short. <laughs> so, yeah. But I did. I, I told him I'm sorry. He was crying over like his chess games that he was losing. Uh-huh. I was like, laughing and we even played another game and I was like, are you going to cry about this? And then I was, afterwards I was like, that, you know, that wasn't very nice, you know, yeah. and I should be laughing and crying. So I said, you know, I'm still learning as a mom. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. And I said, I cry all the time. And that's how I get stressed out sometimes. And so anyways, it was just like a few days after that he had done something and he wrote me a letter and he's like, mom, I'm so, so, so sorry. I love you so, so much. And it was like wow. this beautiful note. And I was just kind of like, so what you said is so true. Yeah. You know, you need to be able to say, I'm sorry, but it's hard because then you're like, oh, well, they should look at me as his parent. That's uh, everything. Yes. yes. And that's I think why that, it's yes. hard. And I think people do. They, they go worst case scenario. If it's, if I say I'm sorry here, then he's going to think I'm weak and he's going to run right over me and then I will never, I mean, people just or look up to me. Yeah. Or, right. Yeah, and, 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 not oh, man. And yeah. And that's the, and that, I mean, again, stuff I'm passionate about is uh, men in particular, why I felt drawn to men's issues are men. Uh, already, and I call it man brain, I mean, strong, silent type, rubber little dirt in it, you know, uh, Lone Ranger, I mean, all these kind of things. Yeah. But I, I almost to a, you know, hundred percent say when I'm doing couples therapy and you, you have a guy be, um, more vulnerable in a session, you know, that never has a spouse said, Oh, wow. I didn't sign up for this, you know, this blobbing mess. I'm out of here. Right. Yeah. Usually it's like, Oh, fine. You know, I'm getting some emotion out of it. Right. Um, and it's, and it's kind of a neat, it's a neat experience. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. So did we answer though, how to develop empathy model and uh, awareness? Yeah. Um, yeah. And have our kids, how do we teach our kids to be empathetic, but mostly modeling. Yeah, I think so. And I will say though, I think that that I will, I mean, I think I I do believe empathy can be taught. I think that there are people whose brains maybe think a little more logically than emotionally. And I think that that's okay. I think that that's part of where, when, when we know when our kids or our spouses, when we know that it is a safe place, you know, the cheesy therapist word there, but safe place to be able to say, you know, I hear you, I understand, and here's where my mind goes, and here's where I'm coming from. That's a powerful moment where mm-hmm. somebody might even say, it's like, I know that this is important to you or that you're feeling these emotions that I'm struggling to right now. Mm-hmm. But I mean, even that's powerful because mm-hmm. sometimes we'll find that, okay, their default settings might not be set on empathy or their situation growing up, if they had parents that were, you know, never let somebody see you cry. And all of a sudden we're saying, no, no, it's okay. You know, um, that's where you've got these deep neurological pathways built into the brain to say, I can't do it. I can't do it. You know, yeah. so it can be a process. I do well, you said, um, if we, if it took us 40 minutes, I was to get into the woods, we can't get out in five minutes. Yeah. Please habits and, and our brain literally has to change, you know, our brain and the neurons are like rivers. So mm-hmm. if you want this to start changing this way, it's really hard and you have to keep really, you know, like with eating or with any nutrition, oh, anything, yeah. and you have to actually change that river and start the trickle yeah. to get those neurons. Yeah. So yeah, I think in the training, I was, I, I love to talk about if it's ruts in the field, every time you try to make this new um, pattern, 
it's like you just took your foot and you drug it this new way and you splash a little bit of water over there, but the, uh, the, the trench is still going this way. Yeah. Eventually, when you do enough of those, now that will become the deeper neuropathway and then your brain will kind of go to that, that place. But it takes time. We need to be yeah. patient with ourselves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was another one I liked. They said to teach kids empathy with the brain rules for baby or something. They said, when you see your child, you say, it looks like you're sad. Is mm. it because of this? You know, and yeah. even though it's just so like textbook, that has helped me, okay. you know, say, hey, you look sad, uh-huh. instead of being like, oh my goodness, are you whining again? Yeah, yeah, you so know? they can identify emotions and again feel like it's okay to identify them. That's big. Ah, just yeah. identifying it. That's, yeah. yeah, yeah, there's a, um, that's where if you go into therapist's office, where they do a lot of work with kids, you always see this chart, and it's the happy, sad, angry, whatever oh, chart, yeah. and there's a lot of this, which one of these are you today? And where that's yeah. Like, yeah. So do you look at it as like, because we have a daughter that's very dramatic and emotional, like, how do you do that when it's just like, ah, you know, yeah. do you say, oh, you look sad, like, I don't, I don't know how to deal with it. I'm just like, why do you feel whiny right now? There's everything, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, no, like, that's well, a good question. That so, me? and I think that is where you, you got to get your PhD in empathy, basically. And it, <laughs> and, it, and it does, it takes a lot of the work on the ground. I, I, I talked about, I think I might have said this in that class, but I love to just, when I, you know, I try every chance I can, I try to go. I just like to lay on my kids' floors and just tell me about your day, tell me about your whatever. And you learn a lot about them, but you do see the summer a little bit more dramatic or emotional or that sort of thing. And underneath that emotion, there's something. I mean, there's some sort of, you know, your, your daughter's probably not feeling like it would just be hurt or something's not right mm-hmm. with the world or whatever. And I, I always go back to this. I had a client long ago and she, I don't know, it was one of those that was a real challenge because I, I, I just wanted to go into motivational speaker mode all the time. Um, because she was really stuck and it was had to do with dating and some things like that. Yeah. She didn't have a lot on her plate even, but to her she felt overwhelmed. And yeah. so when I was just I'm going I immediately went into I was a pretty new therapist and I'm going into just do this, just do this, how about this? You know, those yeah. kind of things. Yeah. And boy, you can see that okay, she's heard that a million times yeah. and that's not working for her. So I got some consultation with a wise old therapist, um, Dr. Jerry Harris, and it was a big a big deal in the area. And he told me, okay, you gotta, you gotta go back to empathy. And you might have to sit in empathy for session after session because until your kid or until the client mm. feels like you really hear them and you're not just trying to fix them or judge them, I mean, they're not gonna, wow. yeah, they're not gonna buy in. So I feel like with each kid, it's a, it's an exercise, and they gotta know that I'm, I'm, I'm willing to listen, that I want to hear what their experience is. And that's the part where you know, then all the good cliches come in where. Every kid is different, and they really are, right? Yes. And so when totally you have the dramatic different. one, or you have the one that is, like, almost too logical, or you have yes. the one that's, I mean, and, and so when you learn all those, then it's like, okay, when she's being dramatic, it's like you, you'll understand a little bit more about where she's coming from or what's going on. I think the big, and I've said this a few times today, as parents, of course we want to help. I mean, that is what we do. Right. But, but when we go into fixing in judgment mode, we don't recognize in the big picture we're basically telling our kids that whatever their kind of thoughts or emotions were or the things that they maybe want to express are wrong. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. no, 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 you need to just be happy or you need to just move forward or, you know, you can't let that get you down or those sound great and we'll get to those. But if that's all that your kid is hearing from you, eventually they're thinking, okay, I already know what the script is there. And, and that's sometimes when they turn to other people or other things or other places because, you know, they know, okay, I'm not really going to, we're not going to get that scratched here. So I got to kind of find it somewhere else. Hmm. Yeah. I love that. I had an aha moment, just like you said, setting up the groundwork other than in that moment. So yeah. you're not going to correct that, everything yes. in that one that's, moment yeah. of her being like super crazy. I know. It's that, the no. other times. 
And that's, that's, yes, yeah, that's where I went off on that tangent, huh? Because, but I mean, I believe that's uh, no, nobody wants to hear that. When somebody finds out in therapist, like, hey, what do you do when the kid's freaking out? It's like, you do like a whole bunch of other work. And in the moment that the kid's freaking out, you learn how to disengage and not keep it going, you know? Because that is so good. You're not going to, I mean, yeah, you might win that battle. But then what do you get? Do you get like a trophy? Yeah, you know, like, oh, I told him, you know, yeah. my kid left the room, right? Yeah. yeah. It's like, no, you just put a little more distance in your relationship. So oh, I love that. that Disengage. Oh. That's exactly what I need to do. <laughs> but, but it's hard, though. I mean, especially, it's so hard. But to, just thinking, know. just having a place to go, though. Hey, right now, it's just, I'm going to be a little aloof yeah. and work on things at another time. Yeah. But in that moment, I'm so heated. It is. And then I go back to then when the waters are calm, that's when you break down. Now throw in nurtured heart stuff. So it's like when the waters are calm, it's like, and then, okay, now we're almost like we're putting everything together. So then it's like, hey, I, I'm sorry if I kind of kept the you know, kept the fight going there the other night because I, I, that was the last thing I wanted to do. And I really appreciate the way you, you know, kind of let that go, even if it took them an hour to let it go. Right. So yeah. building this a little bit. And then it's like, Hey, where, you know, tell me what you're, tell me what you think went wrong. Tell me what you thought, where do you think that things kind of splintered wow. or what were you trying to express? Or, and then when they start talking, turn off the part of your brain. that's like, okay, no, 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 that's not what happened because that is, you were the one being that, you know, it's like, mm-hmm, no, yeah, oh, right? so good, yeah. yeah. And then over time now, you know, we're, we're working toward that. Then that, that won't even escalate. Or if it does, then we're, you're able to, you know, have a, have a voice to it right in that moment and say, Hey, I already feel like things are starting to kind of amp up and I, that's not what I want, you know, or whatever. Right. Yeah. yeah. Like where you need a parent time out. That's what yeah. you do sometimes. That's uh, one of the fun things I, you know, I think that when parents get really good at this, um, they have the tap out rule. My wife and I, I think have gotten very good at this over the years. And that's if, if one of you sees that the other one is, is just starting to get ramped up. I mean, you have this rule where you go up and if you just put your hand on the shoulder or I'm like, hey, I'll, I'll take care of this. And at first the parent that's in the moment, it's like, no, I'm fine. You know, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And then you get really good at that. You can't argue with the tap out. And you dismiss yourself and you go walk back to your room and then you sit there. That is beautiful. And you kind of get that yourself so together, good. right? Yeah. And, then, and, then the, and then your spouse comes in and like, then it's like, okay, what, you know, tell me what's going on. But over time, it, you, by the time the spouse comes in, you're like, hey, thank you. I was getting that. You know? Well, I feel like sometimes if I'm the calm spouse and Carlton's like in it, I'm just like, calm down. Like in front yes. of the camera, calm and down. Don't right. have my phone to kiss. You know, I'm yeah. like, yeah. So that's. Yeah. yeah. I can't get this. Yeah. Right? I got this. I've been, I've been tapped out. Oh, and I wanted to be like, mm, you know, no, no, no. Uh, not this time, but it's like, mm, it's the rule, you know? Yeah, yeah. that's really I wonder before if sometimes if my kids are like, you know, looking over my shoulder, like, come on, you know, like, come tap this guy out, you know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> this guy's a lot of hands. He's done. Yeah, exactly, right? Yeah. And they can tap me out. That's so, awesome. Yeah. Okay, um, another question I had is, how do you keep your marriage strong? Mm, okay, so. So you, I mean, you're a really busy guy. Mm, you're involved in lots of things. Yeah. How do you keep your marriage strong? Um, so I got, I've had super cheesy things that I'll say, right? Okay, I mean, yeah. so we, I, we do a date every week. I mean, years mm-hmm. and years. I mean, and we, we, I mean, we just make that a priority and it was just to get away and even, I don't know, go grab a bike to eat, go to the store together, run errands there, whatever, that we do that. We send notes to each other throughout the day. We send wow. funny things throughout the day. And I, this is stuff again where I get super frustrated in sessions. And maybe that's bad to say. Because I don't have a lot of empathy for my clients, right? Yeah, right, right. That's what I'm saying. But so I'll have like when, uh, Maybe I'll take a step back. So I'll take a step back. So I love couples therapy now because of this. There's a model called EFT, Emotionally Focused Therapy. There's a great book called Hold Me Tight by Sue Johnson that that talks about this. And so EFT is more of this. um, I want a a spouse to be able to put out what's called an emotional bid. So they're going to say, hey, here's what I'm feeling. Here's what's what's going on for me. 
Now, what we're used to in couples therapy is the, the partner typically then responds with defensive fixing general statements. Like, I can't believe, you know, if, if there's, I want to think of some practical example, right? But it's like, hey, I feel like you're not spending enough time at home, you know? And the guy's like, you know, seriously, I mean, I'm trying to provide for the family and I've got this, I've got enough on my plate. Okay, that one just shut down, right? Right. And then, I mean, you can see how that one can amp up. But if, if, if your partner's putting out the, you know, I feel like you're not home very often and that's her emotional bid, then the spouse's only correct response is empathy. It's like, okay, tell me, tell me what you're feeling there. You know, and there can be a whole lot there, right? Right? It's like, well, I feel like there were these times where you maybe could have come home. I thought like you didn't. Or, I, you know, I feel like I'm doing a lot of things on my own that I feel like you used to be a part of. And so now if we have that awareness and the partner did not say that's ridiculous, I can't believe that, you know, then they get to come back and go, okay, that makes a lot more sense. And, and then it's like, because here's where I was coming from. I felt like, you know, that I felt like we were on the same page with what I was doing right now or, or yeah, I, you know, I know that, that time you're talking about where you think that I probably could have come home and I thought you were being impressed with me because I went and took care of this other thing. And I mean, we got to put a well, voice to this stuff, perceive, right? Yes. But each right? other perceives is where we're at in the marriage. Yeah. Really. So, so that is EFT, uh, emotion focused therapy. And it's, and when you get really good at that, I mean, every, I know it sounds so cheesy, but almost anything is an emotional bit. It's like, uh, Hey, I noticed that, you know, the, the, I don't know, I had one the other night that I thought was so silly and I found glad I gave a voice where I, I got home and I had been a little later than I thought and, and then it was put away, which is fine, right? And usually it's not. And so then I was like, uh, I, you know, hey, I, this is Which what, is not fine. You wanted dinner. Well, I mean, that's so, yeah, yeah. maybe, sure, right? Yeah. It was like turkey tacos, though, and they're amazing, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah. So I'm kind of like, hey, so uh, what happened here? And then, and then I wanted to you know, that's my emotional bid and my wife, like a champ, she's like, Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. You perhaps I mentioned earlier that I was doing that. So you're probably wondering where it was. And then she just said, the kids all came down with their own money went in and out. So then I just put everything away. So I was like, Oh, okay. I mean, if I would have just gotten home and just, been super mad. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, that's a silly example, but anything can turn into an emotional bid because if I would have sat with that, not given her a voice to this silly problem, then I'm, that's one in my little bank of, you know, and she, she doesn't care about me or, or some irrational thoughts like that. Right. right? So, um, so I love this emotionally focused couples therapy, this EFT. And so how do you make the strong marriage? I think you asked me initially. So like the busy part, um, we had this conversation long ago. And so what I do is on my, my practice schedule, my practice management schedule, I block out every single kid thing in the world, every, whatever I block out anything. And then I might open my schedule up to the times around it. And, mm-hmm. and so then, so, I mean, I'm making sure that I am there for, you know, uh, yesterday was a, a basketball game in the middle of the day. And we came back and saw a couple clients at night or, or that class that I taught that morning. was, you know, make sure I walked out in the morning so I would spend time with my wife there or, um, you know, making sure I'm there for activities and that sort of thing. So, um, and, you know, plan really yeah, well, and, yeah. So, I mean, that's where I was going with that. The cheesy part of that is it takes a little bit more effort, you know, yeah. it, and, and I think that's the part that uh, can be difficult because then people will say, well, I'm so busy. And then I want to say, well, not I'm too busy when people in their relationship say we're just so busy we don't have time to do the family counter we don't have time to do that and that's where I go with like, like, no, it's, it's imperative how, how do you not have time that's what I think yeah so it's okay you know on Sunday nights we go over the weekly family calendar and we lock everything in um, and, and I just think those kind of things they are imperative because this relationship is what I mean my marriage is it's like my foundation of my you know my existence right now right it's where I find my strength it's my support and so why would I not want to put all I can into mm-hmm. making sure that that is the thing that I'm nurturing the most? Wow. You know? Yeah. So I don't know if I answered your question. Totally. Totally. Yeah. And you kind of talked a little bit about this, but how do you stay centered and present oh. when, 
I feel like even more, maybe it's more women though, but I feel like there's so much going on. Mm. Um, I have these side things that I'm doing, but I mostly want to be a mom. Yeah. And I still have a daughter at home, but I have young kids, you know. But I feel like with different people, I mean, we're all in there, even if you have all teenagers or even their grown, how how do you stay centered and present? Yeah, so. And uh, grounded. I can keep yeah, grounded. Yeah, 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 yeah. Can I look off camera? Oh, this is my man now, right? <laughs> So I, I love mindfulness, this whole concept of mindfulness and meditation. So many years ago, uh, I was working for our church as a therapist and we went to this training. And the training was for a type of therapy called acceptance and commitment therapy, um, ACT, and I love ACT. There's another book called The Happiness Trap um, by Russ Harris that, that is, it is brilliant, and it's about this acceptance and commitment therapy. So acceptance and commitment therapy is more of a, hey, we're going to feel the way we feel because we're human and we have experiences that have kind of brought us to the moment that we're in. So of course we're going to feel frustrated or sad or depressed or that sort of thing in certain, in certain situations. But then the key is what do you do with that? What do you do with that feeling? What do you do with those thoughts that come with that feeling and acceptance and commitment therapy talks about changing the relationship with your thoughts. So it's not, you're not crazy to feel depressed because somebody said they didn't want to go do something with you. Um, but then what do you do with that? Is that a productive thought, mm -hmm. right? Because if you ruminate on that, you can kind of find yourself just, shut down for the rest of the day. Yeah. So how do you learn how to move that thought kind of through your head and then kind of stay focused on the things that you need to do, parenting, right. work, those sort of things. Mm -hmm. So part of this training, this acceptance and commitment therapy training, talked about mindfulness. So mindfulness and meditation, I think a lot of times we think about, I joke with my clients all the time about, hey, let me put on a robe and I've got a you know, strap on ponytail that I'm going to put on <laughs> back here and we'll sit on the floor and we'll chant and we'll do that sort of thing. But it's not that. So mindfulness is more of just, um, I use an app called Headspace. And it's a 10 minute daily guided meditation sessions where this British guy named Andy basically just talks you through some in through the nose, out through the mouth breathing, kind of closing your eyes at one point, and then just being aware of your surroundings, doing a body scan, feeling your back against the chair and your feet on the ground. And then sometimes he'll just let your mind, it's quiet. And all of a sudden now my mind goes, I remember at the beginning, it's, this is dumb. What am I going to do? I don't know what I'm doing this. What I'm done. I've got the things I could be doing right now. And he's like, hey, come on back to the breath. You know, come on back to a little bit of breathing. And uh, and boy, you know, with practice, there's some science behind this that says uh, eight weeks of at least eight minutes a day of, of mindfulness kind of starts to change the neural pathways of the brain. But you start to find yourself going back to center. You know, you can mm. you can do some some breath, get deep cleansing breaths in through the nose, out through the mouth, and your brain now becomes conditioned to go, oh, okay, we're not going to go chase that thought that we're trying to. So when I find myself thinking, getting overwhelmed or that sort of thing, I, I use these kind of mindfulness techniques. Another cool part about mindfulness is uh, there's a big component of it that's awareness. And I love to talk about this. So in any minute of, of our existence, our mind, I mean, think of the things you could think about in a minute. I mean, what are they? They could be everywhere, right? Yeah. And they can always be good and bad. And, um, I, I, can I tell them another story? Yeah. So I tell this, I, I love to tell this, and this happened a little while ago. Part of this mindfulness exercise is, Sometimes he just says, okay, just, just let your thoughts go and just, just be an observer of your thoughts. And, and I used to think that was a little bit of the silly part of the practice. I didn't really get it until um, I started trying to do it a little bit more. And I'm driving home. This wasn't very long ago. And I'm driving home on Highway 65 and it's crowded. And, you know, and I'm in this car. And, I, and so the backstory is I, I have this little mini Cooper that I love to drive. And I bought my daughter this old bug. And, and uh, and it's a girl bug. It's like light blue and it's convertible. The top then you find out doesn't work. And then as soon as I bought it, it breaks down. And oh, so then I feel like being a the, the good dad, I let my daughter drive my Mini Cooper. So I'm in this bug, right? I'm driving home one day and I and I usually am listening to an audiobook or something. And so I pause it 
And I'm like, okay, an awareness exercise time. So I'm kind of looking around, and the first part of an awareness exercise feels silly. There's, there's a tree, there's a car, right? Then your mind kind of takes off. So in this particular one, I do the whole car, tree, and then this uh, four-door Porsche comes up on the way so fast, right? And then I was like, man, I'm looking at my rearview mirror, and I think, that guy is a jerk. I mean, it's a bad, very right. judgmental. Right? This is one of my own. Right. That guy's a jerk, and he, and he came up on me so fast, and I really thought he was going to hit me. And he thinks he's so cool because he's in that Porsche, and I'm in this girl car, and it's like light blue, and the top doesn't even work. And who buys a convertible and the top doesn't work? And I wish I was in my Mini Cooper. And and, um, and then all of a sudden, I went from, I'm like going, red car, green tree. And now all of a sudden, I'm like, <laughs> and, and I can't provide my family, and our carpet's old, and our, you know, and I'm like, oh, all right. You're flipping the guy off. Yeah, exactly, right? <laughs> so then I find like, okay. And then that's where the mindfulness practice kicks in. Let that one go. I think I pull back over into slow lane. I wished him well as he drove by me, you know? Oh. So, I mean, but that's so that, you know, so, so but yeah, exactly right. Becoming centered. So I really feel like the mindfulness stuff has been a big part of that for me. I do a lot of work with addiction and, and mindfulness is huge in the world of addiction. It's starting to become more evidence Explain a little bit what you were saying earlier before yeah, taking so, just yeah, thought. With, and so I do a lot with the uh, um, pornography addiction and compulsive sexual behavior, but with anything with, with, uh, any, yeah, exactly. Any addiction, there's a trigger. Um, so in, in my world of, of like uh, pornography addiction, the trigger can be anything. It can be um, a lot of times it's just, I call it crimes of opportunity. Somebody is alone with their computer, you know, yeah. or it can be boredom or it can be feeling dead, bad about themselves. It can be a, a, a visual trigger or whatever it is. Yeah. So there's a trigger. So then here comes the thought. So the thought is that, you know, you can, and if it's food, right, what's the What's the trigger? It could be uh, smell, smell, back to smell of brownies or Cinnabon in the mall. Or I put my kids in bed. The kids are in bed. It's just like, oh. Right, so there's a trigger. So then, okay. Our, yeah, okay, right? Reward so then, or something. Yeah, so, the, so there's a trigger. So then the thought comes. I could, whatever the uh, addiction is, I, you know, act out sexually, brownies, a uh, whole pan, uh, whatever it is. Yeah. And then there's the action. So the magic comes between putting distance and between the thought and the action. So so that is where there's there's two ways to do it. One's behavioral. So you can go, um, you know, I have guys doing push-ups every time they feel, you know, that thought in their mind, or they're running out of the room, or they're calling a friend, or they're whatever, but but it, what we eventually have to get to is not having to be, you know, in, I don't know, some public place, not to drop down and be doing push-ups, right. you know, we want to be able to start working with our mind, so so mindfulness helps put distance between the thought and the action, so we start to look at our thoughts as just these these. These, you know, in Headspace, they talk about they're just cars on the on the road, mm-hmm. and we have to learn how to kind of learn to sit on the side of the road and watch those cars go by. That's our thoughts, and the thoughts are all kinds of That's good, really bad, right? All that kind of stuff. And so, and, and every now and again, we're going to feel anxious, and we're going to want to jump out and stop traffic, and that's when we can start to feel a lot of, you know, I don't know anxiety or, or those yeah. things in our mind. But but our goal is to get back on the side of the road and just watch the traffic go by. Um, you know, if you really start to break down things about thought, which is amazing, is our thoughts are these electrical impulses that are rain pulls from our conscious and our subconscious, and, but yet we will give so much meaning to our particular thought. So, mm. so when you're sitting there with your awareness exercise, that's the whole point of that is you, there's good things that go through my mind too. And then there's bad things and there's crazy things and there's inappropriate things and there's horrific things and there's funny totally. things and all that. But then it's like, then we, why do we attach to some of the negative? Why do we go, well, that's, that's the one I am, you know? Oh, so, oh my goodness! Right? So mindfulness just so, helps wow. teach you to go. I'm moving that one through. That one's I always use. And it just lets you know it's okay. Yeah, you're normal. Absolutely. I always like, say which ones are productive, right? I mean, yeah. And at the core of mindfulness, and I forget this part sometimes when I'm teaching this, is you have your core goals and values. So then, if these thoughts aren't, you know, part of your core values or goals, they're not productive. So let's move those on through. You know? Yeah. Yeah. 
that's kind of how it is. That's good. So I was going to ask you too about kids with anxiety, how to help them. Uh, Because I know that's kind of getting bigger and, you know, so is that kind of what you go back to is the mindfulness and then helping them? Yeah. So putting up the Headspace app has, um, they released an update a while ago and they have team and kid modules. They have one minute mindfulness exercises, three minute exercises. Um, but for me, it's a lot of times it's trying to help my kids understand that, uh, you know, it's okay to have those feelings in that moment, you know, but, but we don't necessarily have to react or act upon those feelings, you know, or when they're feeling overwhelmed or anxious or, you know, mindfulness is a little bit more about being okay, let's kind of sit in this moment, figure out what's going on and we don't have any, and kind of just stay present with it and don't let our thoughts go to the, and, you know, this is going to lead to some horrific ending, that sort of thing. Yeah. But it goes back to all this stuff about letting them know that they can come and talk to you and, and uh, identifying that these feelings are okay and not shutting them down. Mm-hmm. They come up and tell you, hey, I'm freaking out about roller coasters, right? And you're just like, nope, you're riding it. You know, my, my dad threw me in the pool when I was whatever, you know, or strapped me to a roller coaster. So you just have to get through it, right? And that's, yeah, right. That's not really great either. Yeah. So what would you do in that moment? They're going to get in a rope, you know? Yeah, so my, uh, one of my daughters had a intense fear of, of amusement park roller coasters for a long time. And I'm telling you, that was, we, we, that, we love to do that stuff. We're not huge campers or whatever, but we love to go to the beach. We love to go to amusement parks. Yeah. And so that was a tough one. And that was, you know, it was always like just letting her know, hey, that's okay. I rode the winning crew ride at Disneyland so many times on the trip. And it was like, and I mean, I think, I, I feel like, I'm not singing songs from my head, but uh, a couple of some woozles, that one, right? But wrote it over and over and over, and it's like, but I wanted to know, hey, I'm, I'm here for it. Maybe mm-hmm. I'm, like, I'm not disappointed in you know, whatever, right? And I would point out, go out overboard and look at that thing for the hundredth time. Isn't that great? Or whatever, right? And then <laughs> wow. I felt like over time, then, you know, I think it was that going back to empathy, and then she finally was like, you know, I'll give it a shot. And now she's, she'll ride anything. Really? So, yeah, it's kind of neat. So and that doesn't mean that's going to happen with everybody, but why, why force it? Why make the kid feel like, oh, okay, my love is conditional and if I will strap myself to something, scream, you know, wet my pants and be angry the rest of the day. Right. But I think my dad loves me, right? I mean, that's, just, that's not the goal. Right. Yeah. What about social anxiety? Is it good? Because sometimes we feel like as parents, we want to be these coaches and say, hey, make sure, you know, with that kid, you should have said hi. And hey, look at me. Yeah, like, right? I don't know what the line is of like kind of coaching them in yeah. social, social situations or yeah. pushing them or not, you know, it's like. So- and I feel like I, I feel like I'm gonna start sounding like a broken record. And in my home, my wife is definitely the social coach. You know, she's like, "Hey, you gotta think about other people, you gotta whatever." But when you get the reaction, it's like, "I did, mom," or "I do," then I go back to this. Yeah, kind of build that bridge of empathy. So you know, does your kid even know that that's like the goal, or or and if not, or do they have their own experience of every time I do that, I feel like this, or I did that one time, and somebody thought, "Hey, you know, wait, there's there's something there. There's I want to find out what's underneath the." They, they didn't look or they didn't wave, they don't feel like, or those sort of things, you know. And then when they feel like you kind of get it, you know, then that's when you can really so find out the why. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Yeah, yeah, but you can see it. I can start to sound important record, but I mean, I'm basically saying, hey, get to know your kid and learn what who they are, and don't just say, here's what you need to do, here's what you need to do because yeah. they're all different and they're not going to have your your same situation you had as a kid right. or. And, and just because we say, hey, I've been there before, buddy, doesn't mean that they're like, oh, okay, I won't even think about other options of life, you know? Right. Yeah. Right. Okay. Well, good. And then kind of along the same lines, we we get involved in a lot of things with my kids. They like soccer, baseball, all these different things. I feel like baseball is all-consuming. I mean, their games are so long. There are many, multiple games a week and practices and all these things. And so how do you 
I want to center family. Yeah. But then also I see the incredible things that my kids are learning from baseball and um, soccer is an easy one. It's not as long, but, um, but the, just getting over involved. And I think too, I've been reading a little bit about play and the importance of just yeah. play. And, you know, my kids are building forts and my kids are super outdoorsy. So yeah. forts and stuff. How do you, how, what's your thought on that? Like, do I put them in that because they're learning so many good things? Like I see he learns, Hey, I just struck out, but I can still go cheer with my team. Absolutely. It's not all about me. Yeah. So I think they're such good things. Yeah. But then you're taking, you're cutting out playtime and family time. So how do you? So again, such a, such a layered question. Um, my first thought was that, uh, so I played baseball in college and even by the end, I would work so playing baseball, you know, mm. but it was just like what you do, you know, yeah. and, and, uh, and I coached all my kids in every sport, but that was always my goal. And I coached a ton of baseball, and I was not disappointed with myself. Finally, he was like, oh, I don't want to play, right? You know? Yeah, yeah. And so, so I hear you. That's kind of, and, and, and I don't know. And I and I wanted my kids to like certain sports and not care about others and that sort of thing. And this was a big challenge. It was, okay, what is, what's their experience? What are they like? And so I know that's kind of a lead up to say, I, you know, I try to, I think that's that fine balance of trying to, to hear what they are, what their experience is. Do they like it? Do they not like it? Um, you know, there's that whole concept of parents you don't want them to quit or you don't want to whatever but we're also right. balancing that i want them to know they can come to me if something is miserable for them or or that sort of thing so i do feel like in in general we're pretty overscheduled but i also right. feel like there's so much good that can come out of the, the various activities yeah. that that you know um for my family i can kind of maybe only speak to that we try to do our best at making baseball games you know pretty much we're going to try to make a family event or if it's a daughter's gymnastics um, program where all you try to go, or if it's, you know, we try to do that as much as we can. Mm. So we have that family support there. And, uh, and then I feel like just really listening to our kids and if that is a good experience for them, or if it's not a good experience for them, are we pushing them because we want them to be, I want my son to, you know, be, I, I assume you would be this really great baseball player. Now he loves basketball. So, I mean, I, I love basketball. So that one's worked out fine. Yeah. But, uh, but you know, I, I think I thought he would be good at this. I thought some of my other daughters would like this, you know, yeah. and, and being able to just hear what, what they want. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I think sometimes they want to do it all. Mm-hmm. And I kind of tend to say, I mean, yes, mom, you know, it's like, yeah, you want to do that, but then I, our whole family is revolving around. Yeah. I will tell you. So I, that, okay. So that makes sense too. So, um, I do feel like that's one of those where you can have a, a pretty um, open conversation with everybody and lay out the whether it's the time frames, the financial costs, or whatever. Which I know I think a lot of parents will say yeah, it's a lot of work, but um, we've had some success in saying, okay, I want to be able to support you guys and whatever you want to do. I want you to have these opportunities and chances. Here's the here's the logistics. Here's the reality, mm-hmm. right? And that and we've been able to have some pretty good, you know. Um, compromise. I usually don't go to compromise. So I feel like compromise is sometimes it's where both people feel like they lost out. Yeah. Um, I really like the awareness kind of looking at it from that angle yeah. more. But so with all this awareness around what, what our schedule looks like or, or what finances look like or, or those kind of things, that then it's a little easier to um, either kids kind of then step up and say, okay, well, I really want to do this. Or if I'm going to do this, then I'm willing to, you know, whatever, I'll find rides or whatever it is. I mean, and then now we're all kind of working together. Oh, that's cool. That sort of thing. Yeah. But then I'm also, if I'm being vulnerable, I think that was a lot easier the older we got. I feel like when, when my kids were older and they could understand that stuff more, that makes sense. When you're in the in the throes of it and kids want to do everything and they're back in the school, like a really chaotic kind of life. Yeah, um, yeah. That does speak a little bit to, you know, there are going to be times where you might want to, you're going to feel like you're going to devastate them if you say no. And, uh, but then, you know, I think you're, our kids are a little more resilient and hardy with some of those things and we're getting credit for 
and they will move on, you know, and, right. and even though we go, man, if I don't say yes to this too, they're going to, they're always going to remember, I didn't support them with whatever gymnastics when they were five. You know? Yeah. And it's like, I, I'm shocked now at the times where I will show my kids pictures of things they did when they were little. And they're like, I don't know, I did that. You know? That's true. There's so many good family things too, you know? Yeah. I mean, rock climbing and skiing and so many, you know, and I'm kind of like, would you rather do that than mm. baseball? Would you, you know? Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of good options. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. Okay. All right. Yeah. You need to go, right? Yeah. Actually. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah. We use cut that. We did. We're good. Well, thank you. So, yeah. So, you have a podcast. Yeah. That's what I would love. Yeah. You can edit out the cheese. All right. Get back to you. Okay. We'll start. Okay. <laughs> so, your, your podcast is. Yeah. It's called The Virtual Couch. And that has been a blast. So, I would love for people to uh, you can go on iTunes and look up The Virtual Couch or. Um, I have a, uh, a website just for the podcast, which is virtualcouch.xyz. Okay. I didn't even know that was a domain, but when I saw it there, I bought it, so it was cool. Yeah. So virtualcouch.xyz. And I also I, I have an online uh, pornography recovery program, and it's at pathbackrecovery.com. And, uh, and that's this uh, 40 videos and a workbook that help people kind of overcome pornography, and, uh, pornography addiction and compulsive sexual behavior. So. Perfect. Yeah. And so um, for everybody out there, this so you can follow on Parenting Magic yeah. on Facebook. So you can go there, and there's lots of fun videos and helps and courses to take and all sorts of things. So Well, thank you. I, I know you're super blast. busy. So even oh. though you said yes, I have been like giddy for days. No, so thank you so much. Too. Thank you. Thank you. I really Thanks. appreciate it. Thanks. flying past our heads and out the other end the pressures of the daily grind is wonderful elastic waste and rubber ghost i'm floating past the midnight hour they push aside the things that matter most Explode, allow the understanding through.
Hear the legs and hearts you move. 